I got a I got a USB C anchor dongle during that random sale that was being reported last like like earlier this week. So good. So happy with not happy about a dongle, but this one's great. I just want to hear you say dongle one more time. <laughs> you have any idea how many times I was like searching the word dongle <laughs> to find the best one? It's crazy how many products come up when you search that. It's so much so now that safe search is actually not needed anymore when you're on Google <laughs> when you say the word dongle. <laughs> everybody and welcome to episode 344 of the weekly from pocket now and xda developers recorded on friday the 8th of february 2019 from cellular mergers to cameras in your stylus potentially it's all the technology that makes us go and maybe also makes us spy but we'll talk about that a little bit later hey it's joshua vergara what's going on everybody um i got my tea everything is set up the camera's looking pretty good so i'm doing all right uh we are not going to have jaime on the show this week i gave him a bit of a pass he has a lot of work to get done before we all well a lot of people are heading to new york next week because let's just say there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna check out right before barcelona so take for that what you will we do have with us today uh brandon miniman uh as jules wrote in our script joining me today is the dad jokiest of dads brandon miniman <laughs> Hello, I am playing with my new toy this week. Yes. It is a friend, it is a mate, and it is 20, and it's professional, so it's the Mate 20. Oh, that is the pro, okay. It looks a little big in your hands, if you don't mind me saying, but it just, (laughs) (laughs) it looked like the Mate 20. That's what somebody said, oh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I hear that all the time, just kidding, I'm sorry. Cut that out, Jules. Are you, are you, are you, are you enjoying the the phone at the very least? The uh, um, wide angle on the rear, right? Um, and then, I mean, obviously high specs on there. I mean, our our illustrious guest I'm about to introduce and I have spent a lot of time with the Mate 20 Pro. Actually, we're both big fans of it. Yeah, it's awesome. The um, one of the biggest surprises is the super macro mode. It's just unbelievable how close you can get. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Well, we might get a few thoughts of that from our guest this week. Uh, joining us from New York, Brooklyn in particular, is Board at Work himself, uh, Enabon Ette. Thank, How's it going, man? Thank you very much. I finally have my voice back after being sick and celebrating my team winning the Super Bowl yet again. Ah, so beautiful. <laughs> you notice I'm wearing an L.A. hat, you know, just a kind of... The game-winning buzzer beater at uh, at uh, against the Celtics the other day. Just saying. I know you, you got to take what you got to get, man. You know. And it was Rondo. Just saying. True. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> well, what happened to your voice? Why did you lose your voice? Was there like a lot of stuff going I on? Was, the past week, I, I was. I was kind of sick last week and over the weekend, and then uh, my voice was already raspy, and then I watched the Super Bowl at a bar with mostly Jets and Giants fans in New York, so. It was basically myself, Sam, and, you know, 40 other people who were rooting against the Patriots. I was yelling as loud as possible. <laughs> I can imagine. That was, I, I will admit, you know, regardless of the outcome, that was actually a pretty good game. Like, it was, I was on the edge of my seat most of the time. Yeah, it was a tough defensive battle. But we are here to talk about other things other than football. Yes, yes. 
Yes, yes. Um, Anubong, as you know, uh, audience has been on the show before. We're so glad to have him back on. Thank you. Uh, make sure you get into the chat as well. I do have the video uh, right here. Jules will also be looking at comments in the chat. Uh, so make sure you let your voices be heard. And we'll go ahead and get into our stories for this week. Um, we're, we have a bit of a, we, we have less stories this week than we typically do. Sometimes we try to really pack everything in, but we decided to sort of get a little bit more casual with the number of stories. So we're going to go into a longer form discussion this week. So hopefully everybody will have plenty of things to say and we would love to respond to your stuff in the live chat. All right. So uh, one thing that I did want to have Jaime talk about, had he been on the show, was a recent video that he released on Pocket Now, and that was regarding the Razer Phone 2. Now, I will do a quick synopsis of the video, um, you know, in his stead. Uh, basically, Jaime was able to finally come back to the Razer Phone 2 and uh, review it after having it for like three or so months. And to explain to everybody the reason why he hadn't done the full review yet, well, if it was supposed to be a gaming phone, he wanted the most gamer experience he could have on that phone. And it had to do with, in particular, a game controller, the Razer Raiju Mobile, which Jaime and I did receive a few weeks back. I think right around the end of uh, CES, we were actually able to start using the Raiju Mobile. Uh, the Raiju Mobile has a clamp on it, has all of the buttons that you would expect from it. It does have an Xbox layout uh, in terms of where the control sticks are and what the button layout is. Uh, and Jaime was super excited to actually try out games using the controller. Whether or not his experience was what he was expecting, that's a whole different story. Um, the bottom line here is that Android gaming doesn't really have the support for controllers that I think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, but that's also kind of true for PC games. And I was hoping to get some some thoughts from you, Anabong. Uh, you've used the Razer phone too. You actually are into a lot of gaming and you have ha you have used that phone for extensive gaming, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have... Um... In terms of mobile gaming, which is something I'm trying to get back into, um, even though it's a very big market, it's one that as a gamer, I, I'm not too fond of. It's, you know, there are not many titles that fulfill my experience, but the Razer phone does handle that pretty well. Um, you know, in terms of cooling, in terms of frame rate, especially just, you know, playing the games on the screen and having that really fast refresh rate does wonders. Um, now, I have also done a video on the Raiju controller, and it, it, it's a nice controller. I, I like the concept. It just feels a little bit too heavy for me. Um, when you hold it, the controller itself, without putting a device on there, feels heavy, which is nice until you put a device on there, then it feels like you always have to tilt it up. You know, you've got this action where your hand's doing this, rather than just resting to play. So you've got that with the controller itself, um, but it works well. It works well, plus you've got remappable buttons and all that kind of stuff in there. I think, you know, when you mentioned support for controllers in um, with um, Android games, because Android gaming is just like Android operating system where it is free for all, AKA, you know, Google has not done a good job, I think, in saying this is what gaming should look like on Android, um, you know, you have to wait per game basis for support. So Fortnite just announced that now they now support controllers for gaming on Android. Um, mm -hmm. I think this was probably last week. So that's I think that's where a lot of the problem lies because, you know, the way Google handles Android and also maybe gaming in particular is it's kind of like, you know, hey, here's a space, do your thing. And there's not a lot of you know, fine-tuning or control for that because you would think um, 
controller support was should be baked in, you know, into mm-hmm. into the OS, kind of like Windows. You know, um, Windows is pretty easy. If you plug in a USB controller, you're good. You're good to go. Whether it's PlayStation, Xbox, or even something like the Ryder. Yeah, and um, the way that I, because I did do a, vi- I did I did my video on the Raiju Mobile, the controller in particular, and what I was trying to, the point I was trying to get across there was that there are a lot of games that support controllers, but what you'll notice about those games is that it's games that make sense for controllers, you know, because you won't have a game like Candy Crush, just like you wouldn't necessarily have a game that's like a full real time strategy game on PC uh, work really well with a controller. You would probably opt for a mouse and keyboard in that mm-hmm. case um you know and it's the same on android you got to think a little bit about what games actually make complete sense and even though mobile su- uh, controller support apparently is supposed to be coming for fortnite and pubg at some point it may or may not be fully supported at the moment um brandon some thoughts from your end because like are you are you a big gamer yourself um, i wanted to ask anabang a question because i'm tr- i'm oh, trying yeah. to justify the existence of these gaming phones and he partially answered already but isn't it true mm-hmm. that a gaming phone is a good power user phone and isn't it also true that a good power user phone is also a good gaming phone i mean that is a very good question because uh devices like uh oneplus for example right which um in terms of uh performance is one of the fastest performing android phones on the market and when you game with the oneplus whether it was you know oneplus 60 with the 845 processor it was smooth um you didn't of course have that fast refresh rate on the um on the display i think the problem with gaming phones and gaming on android is that there are not enough games at least here to to fully justify you know, picking up a gaming phone. So, um, you know, maybe if a gaming phone were priced cheaper, like something like the Shark, for instance, where you could say it makes more sense because now that's a specifically focused on gaming and its price point is, say, let's call it, I don't can't remember where the Shark is, but let's say it's 500 bucks. Then you can kind of go, okay, all right, I'm buying it specifically because I want, you know, this kind of performance. The other thing too is that it depends on the gaming phone. So like the ROG phone from... Um, ASUS is overclocked um, to give you high performance, and you can overclock uh, performance per game. So games like Fortnite really take advantage of that uh, because you can boost the performance as well as PUBG itself. So those are the kind of things. It's it's the minutiae. It's it, it it's almost similar to gaming laptops in a sense, but at least with laptops and gaming, the performance difference is so different from like an ultrabook that you really want to go with that over. Um, a gaming phone uh, compared to a high-end phone. So I think right now there's just not enough software to justify that whole, you know, uh, difference. So for example, if you were if you were playing Fortnite on an ROG phone and then you switch to a OnePlus 60, you're saying you would be able to notice a performance difference that would impact your gameplay? I would be able to notice the refresh rate on the display. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest um, thing. I, I can I can see the refresh rate difference. And, you know, it depends on how good you, if you're like me, who is, you know, terrible at Fortnite, people have seen my gameplay, it doesn't matter. If you're a really good Fortnite player, it, it matters a lot because I think Fortnite is cross-platform, right? So you're not playing just against um, mobile users, right? You're playing against PC users as well. So that refresh rate comes into play because anyone who is playing with a mouse and keyboard is just going to take you out no matter what. 
It's also a longevity thing too, right? Because something like the uh, ROG phone, like I have in my hands here, there's that peripheral that is a fan. So it keeps it as cool as possible for as long as possible. So there might be some other phones, not necessarily the OnePlus, but there might be phones that actually heat up the longer you play, the more intensively you play, especially if it's plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there might also be that issue as well. But you, you bring up a good point, um, uh, Brandon, about the different features that might be coming up with gaming phones. Because I know that for myself, when I look at laptops and I want something that is highly productive or is potentially highly productive, I tend to look at gaming laptops right. first because I know that they have the most bells and whistles. Um, so we've had we've already mentioned a few. We have the Asus ROG. We have the Razer. We have the Black Shark. Uh, there was actually the Nubia at CES. Um, are there any particular... Are there any particular features in a gaming phone that you are really sort of clamoring for? What would be that killer feature that a gaming phone potentially has that you would want? It's got to be the refresh rate, like Anabong said. I mean, because in terms of like thermal performance and cooling, I think a lot of phones have gotten really good at it. Um, in terms of battery life, a lot of phones have gotten really good at it. Speakers, you know, front-facing speakers are kind of a necessity, but a lot of phones have just such loud speakers now. I mean, that it, it pretty much leaves um, a refresh rate that, that, that makes mm-hmm. the difference, that makes a gaming phone a gaming phone for the hardcore players. So do you think that, like, the cooling systems haven't exactly, like, proven themselves as a killer app or a killer feature, rather, I should say? I mean, personally, when I use any one of my phones, and I've got a lot around here, they regardless of what I'm doing, they don't heat up like phones used to. They have done, they do a really good job at staying cool. Granted, I'm not playing an hour of Fortnite, but um, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine that having a fan on the back of a phone makes a tremendous difference. But again, I'm, I might be totally wrong about that. Um, I, I think to me, cooling does play. Uh, I think Android phones do a better job because the iPhone does not cool well. Uh, even though just just because the last time I did a gaming video on the iPhone in five minutes, it started just getting warm. Um, Android phones do a better job because most people are now using you know uh, liquid cooling or pipe cooling on you know the semiconductor. Um, and I think he, uh, with the ROG phone with the fan, my experience, it's done it's done well. Uh, I, I think I've played for maybe about thirty minutes or so. Uh, and I mm-hmm. and I noticed the difference that it was just it just felt cooler. Like it, it actually felt like um, a well ventilated PC build where you put your hand in there and it's just like cool air as opposed to just heat from your your thermals, you know, blowing up. So I think that is important. But for me, it's it's games more than anything else. There's yeah. because gaming phones remind me of it, it says hardcore gaming and just like gaming PCs. Uh, the problem is there are no games that take advantage of. I mean, there are a lot of games on mobile games out there. There are new games every day, but you don't need a gaming phone for those, right? It's it's tap here, swipe here, do this, do that, as opposed to anything that's pushing the performance, you know, uh, of these of these devices. Uh, especially with the kind of chipsets we're having, we know how good the 845 was. 855 is supposed to have you know much better performance. Apple has a really good chip on theirs too as well, and, and so is Huawei. And but I don't see games that take full advantage of, quote unquote, you know they say these can replace desktops, but I'm not seeing the performance there mm. from games that can do that. And that's that's what I want to see. Okay. 
I, I've I've made the point a couple of times before that like the what I what I find so cool about mobile gaming is that we're getting so many ports of classic games like Final Fantasy games, Dragon Quest, um, or some other good ones. All the Telltale games, you know, RIP to Telltale as a company. But the um, what I love about that is that I could take a phone and just tell people who are looking to get into any forms of gaming and they want to play some of the classics that you can actually do it on your phone. Like, can you imagine back in the day you could have played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on the go? Like that 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 blows my mind and I absolutely love that. And that's and that was kind of the point that I was trying to make that there are some really amazing games that are coming out now on Android. Uh Ragnarok M is an example. I actually have been playing Asphalt 9. I actually think that's a great game too. Um and they are awesome, but don't forget about the classics also because this is like the perfect bed for those kinds of things. Um, just before we get into our next topics, I just have a couple of final thoughts. I wanted to bring up a couple of alternatives. Um, I'll show mine off real quick. And then Enobong, I'm sorry if I didn't tell you about this earlier, but I wanted you to show off that Steel Series. Um, because I've been getting advertisements for that Steel Series, and it looks really dope too. I kind of want to check it out myself. Mm, uh, you should told me. It's somewhere around here. <laughs> you don't have to. Oh, it's, it's on the other table. That's I mean, okay. You don't I, have to. I could. I could go grab it. I mean, if you want. Okay. While you do that, I'm just going to show off this one here. The uh, this is one of my favorites. Actually, this is probably my favorite controller of all time. This is a SNES controller retrofitted with uh, analog sticks that also has shoulder buttons. Everything that you could ask for. At the very least, this is one of the best Switch controllers that you can get. But it works for PC and Android. I'm actually doing my video on this one today. This is the 8-bit Do SF30 Pro. I freaking love this thing. And um, Enabong said earlier that the Raiju Mobile is a little bit beefy. It's a little too chunky. This thing travels. Like, this thing is awesome. I would bring this with me everywhere, especially with this MateBook that I'm using. A really nimble uh, classic gaming setup. Yeah. But then there's this new one, brand new one that just came out that I think looks pretty sick. Yeah, it's the uh, SteelSeries controller. Uh, this is it right here. It's a bit dull in terms of look because it's, all, it's like, almost like black on black, really. But it's got more of the PlayStation layout, which I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, I'm just used to the opposing layout like that. Uh, it's a comfortable controller to use, though. And, you know, it's got Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. It's got a USB dongle, which uh, on PC, it's best to plug it in via the USB dongle. Uh, you just get better response time than Bluetooth. You could have some Bluetooth interference because it's just a proprietary Wi-Fi signal. Battery life has been good. And on mobile, it's 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 solid. It works well. It works well on with every PC game I tried. Uh, I think I tried about six games so far. Um, plugged in, it worked well. Mobile as well works pretty good. And um, it 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 also has it doesn't have a cradle like the Raiju. There's an mm -hmm. attachment you can buy. It's I think like ten bucks, which you can use as a cradle uh, with it. But I do like the controller so far. And I've been using it on my PC games, even though I can use my Xbox controller, but I'm using it on PC games lately so far. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Brandon. I mean, I know that we're the gamers over here having their little side discussion. You guys, <laughs> you guys are so lucky that you have the time to play games. Oh, we don't? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't have We We time. absolutely <laughs> do not have the time. We just, this is what an enthusiast sounds like when they have, or rather a junkie sounds like when they can't get what they want. <laughs> I mean, I'll put it this way. I have Resident Evil two installed on my xbox that's mm. it I also, i'm still playing god of war uh let's let's <laughs> never go there and i just installed the uh uh division two beta yesterday oh nice i still nice. haven't touched and it. i know there was also that i don't want to get too far off topic but like they also have the um the new battle royale game that i actually kind of want to try out it's dope yeah. I, I did try it out for 10 uh. minutes 
I mean, it's free. I mean, how could I not try it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, see, this Brandon, this is what gamers sound like when they can't game as much as they want. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so um, I did have a couple of final thoughts on there, but actually, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and move into our next story? Um, so with all of the games that are coming out on Android and on all of these smartphones, um, they can be rather large. Even classic games like uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic takes up at least two gigabytes of storage. So that might be a bit of an argument that storage is going to be like the next frontier. And apparently, there are already some manufacturers that are creating phones with up to one terabyte of onboard storage. Not even anything uh, that has to do with SD cards or anything like that. This is onboard built-in storage. Now, we've already talked a little bit, I think it was last week or the week before, that the Samsung Galaxy S10 may have this kind of storage option. And we did talk a little bit about how <laughs> if if that actually makes sense or not, uh, we'll, we'll we'll rehash that discussion a little bit here. But there was one manufacturer uh, called Smart Smartisan. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But I just I mean, allow me to be 12 years old for a second. I I just thought it was a really funny name. Uh, the name of their phone was the Nut R1. <laughs> so. I mean, what phone are you using? I'm using the nut. I thought it was funny. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Um, if you were to take a phone from this company, which unfortunately is not really around anymore, um, they they had, I guess they had too much overhead. Maybe they went too hard too fast or or too too early rather, and they just like used up all of their funds. Um, But potentially this was a phone that was supposed to be about $1,400 with a Snapdragon 845, eight gigabytes of RAM, but one terabyte of UFS 2.1 storage. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of storage, <laughs> and it seems like they threw a lot at the wall for this phone, and it kind of makes me remember. Um, do you guys remember Leico? Yeah, I mean their their whole situation was a little bit different though, because they did they had a phone, and then they tried a whole lot of other things, and then it ended up being way too much for them, and then of course now we have what we have when it comes to Leico, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you have a like w- without even thinking about Samsung potentially doing this with the S10 the if the rumors are true, the many variants of the S10 that might be announced pretty soon. Um, would you actually want a phone with that much storage in it? Would it actually? Would you actually use it? Is that something that you would be willing to pay for? It's not. Yes. Oh really? Okay. Well, Brandon seems like you had a you had a counterpoint. I'm curious why Anavank says yes, but I was going to say it's really yeah. not intended for us. You know, we take for granted if we want to stream an entire album, we stream it. If we want to, um, you know download watch youtube we just watch it but in a lot of parts of the world data is very expensive and not available and much slower and so you need to store a lot of stuff locally if you want to have media consumption so for a lot of people listening and a lot of people in the u.s one terabyte is just completely unnecessary because you can just get stuff from the cloud and stream and download but for a lot of people in the world they don't have that luxury I, I kind of agree with you there. I mean, we actually have a comment just now. Andreas Numert, I'm going to say. Uh, one terabyte for 8K recording. That's if phones could even do 8K in the first place. Like, we're not quite there yet. No, no. 4K recording, sure. But how much of that recording are you actually going to do? You know? I, anyway, I mean, uh, true. I definitely agree with Brandon. I think that's a very good point. But also here, you think about it, um, you know, the rumors are that the front-facing camera would do 4K. Uh, the rear camera would do HDR10 recording wow so if you do an hdr 10 recording that's already bigger just file size mm-hmm. alone um and then you you add in the fact that if if you know we were at uh, qualcomm's event and they talked about bokeh recording as well that would be a bigger file size than just regular 4k recording 
So already you're looking at things that will just eat up more space. And I, I do like the fact that as a user, I can hold my own content. Uh, that's just how I think in general is that whatever content I want to watch, whether it's something that I have to pre-download or I can record my own stuff, I don't have to ship it to the cloud. I don't have to pass it on. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense for a lot of people. Plus, in my case, I'm a creator, so recording and having enough space is always great. Well, and I agree with you there. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that, like, is really into vlogging with smartphones. I've actually never, with, with current options in Android, I've never run out of space on a phone to the point where I was actually, like, kept from creating my content. So I guess, I guess for me, it's, I'm never going to complain for having more. I'm never going to complain that one terabyte's there. And if I do get a one terabyte phone, let's say in the review unit, then fine. I'll try to use it as much as I can. It'll be there. But I just, there's this one problem that I have with this whole thing. It's that um, there's this huge price disparity when it comes to storage options in smartphones. You have a company like Samsung that is going to make, I mean, their their phones are already famously expensive at this point, but a one terabyte option could be like $1,600 or we don't even know how much it might end up being. Uh, meanwhile, you have 256 gigabytes um, of an equivalent type of phone from Samsung that might be $1,000 from OnePlus. That's only like $600. Like what is what is justifying the price point for some of these people when we have storage options from like Apple that are also super expensive as well? Like there's this price disparity that's so crazy to me. And if you want to have the best of the best, it seems weird that we have one terabyte storage options that might be way more expensive than any of the other equivalents. I think it's simple though. They they're just building that one terabyte um, fab right now. Uh, according to reports, they just started, which means it's just going to be expensive. Um, because this is the first set of one terabyte fabs that are coming out for devices. So Samsung is going, look, we're not going to sell as much one terabyte devices, so we can jack up that price and justify the cost. Most people are going to buy, what, 256 or, you know, whatever is that 120 to 256 price range buffer there. But for those who want it, you know, to me, I would see that, you know, the reason they also, that mentality works well is, if you look at what they did with the Galaxy Notes, uh, a lot of people, a lot of Note users probably went with the 512. I'm guessing because I know a bunch who did, who bought, the, because Note users are considered power users. And they go, look, I want that storage. I want that use case. It might not work well for the S, S line, but I think, you know, hey, if they're building it right now and they're creating those one terabyte uh, memory fabs, then... It's just going to be expensive because it's the first line that's coming out. The other first one's doing it anyway. No one else is. You know what I find funny is like I feel like these features, including one terabyte hard drives, are going to be things that we see on phones. Phones always get the first thing because I just received uh, one of Huawei's uh, media pads and it has mid-range specs. And I keep thinking to myself, why don't we put high-end specs in a tablet or in a different form factor where it might make more sense for the type of niche user that wants to pick that up, who needs that power in that. Maybe they don't use it every single day, but when they do use it, they do need that power. They need that storage. They need that media. And I find it funny that this is the kind of stuff that we get on our phones, which end up becoming so expensive, but we never see those features anywhere else. <laughs> What's interesting is that people associate high storage with future-proofing for some reason, and they're willing to pay a significant premium you know, they think I'm just going to get, a, you know, a tremendous amount of space. For some reason, I might need it in the future. I don't want to have to get a new phone in 18 months. So I'm just, you know, willing to pay a lot for one terabyte. I don't know why I need that, but 
you know, I'm going to get it. I, I might need it. Um, I, I, I think, <laughs> I think to your point, Josh, is the fact that to be honest, the only time you see those kind of big memory jumps are within laptops and cell phones. The two things you yeah. use the most tablets just are not that effective because you need to add accessories to fully use that tablet. doesn't matter what tablet mm -hmm. it is. Your cell phone, you pull it out of your pocket, you use it right there. Your laptop, you open it, you start doing whatever work you want to do. The tablet as a form factor is one where, even with Apple, right, with the, the new iPad, so many people raved about it, but if you look at people's productivity setups, they are like three dongles, a couple attachments <laughs> before you start even doing any work. So I think yeah, that's, that's why true. it makes sense for like laptops and cell phones because those are the things that immediately you will pick it up and you start using that device and you go, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and and I see where you're coming from with that, and I do totally agree. It's just I couldn't, I could not stave away my my disappointment once I turned on that tablet. I'm like, oh yeah, bigger screen, oh, <laughs> like what was it, uh, the the Kirin six hundred or something? I, I mean, it definitely wasn't the latest one. Um, but yeah, a couple of people in our chats, um, Mark C six hundred nine is supporting your your thought five five twelve gigabyte Note nine. So there you go. Um, Good job, Mark. Even though he had, even though he had a sixty-four gigabyte uh, Note eight before that, so big jump up there. Um, our previous commenter, Andreas Numert, hopefully again I'm saying it right, lossless audio formats, offline title support libraries or title playlist libraries. Um, that's true. Like mm -hmm. lossless audio, I've not gotten into it whatsoever, so I I get that. You know, um, raw file, raw photo file editing, uh, raw raw photos. Also, that might be a big thing as long as it becomes an option in more of our cameras. So I get it that there there is going to be this demand, but I don't feel like most people kind of understand that, at least not yet. But it's up to a company like Samsung to appease literally every type of user. So I guess that kind of explains it there. Um, all right, so. Wherever the Samsung Galaxy S10 might end up, uh, it might be on any, pretty much every carrier. I mean, that's the case when it comes to Samsung. But there might be one less that Samsung uh, has to worry about, at least over the next three years, because there's a bit of a merger that's supposed to be happening. T-Mobile and Sprint are on their way to become one entity. And from the article that is over at pocketnow.com, uh, what I notice here is that um, they're calling it the new T-Mobile. So I'm like, okay, fine. Like, that's fine. Just keep Sprint's just going to like go by the wayside. Uh, but one thing uh, that is great about this is that John Legere, who I think has done some great stuff during the Uncarrier era of T-Mobile, has pretty much said that over the next three years, which is potentially how long it will take for these two carriers to actually merge properly, um, Led Ledger, Ledger, as Jules is, okay, J John Ledger, we all, I, I kept hearing Legere. Um, anyway, so... Even though, de even though a decrease in competition in the general carrier market might mean that prices actually go up, uh, what John, I'll just say John, is trying to do is freeze prices to where they are right now for any customers that are on Sprint and customers that are on T-Mobile so that over the next three years while the merger is actually happening, uh, their prices are not going to go up as a result of all of it. Uh, so one thing I want to ask real quick is doesn't you we all saw the uncarrier stuff happening um, i remember there was one story that i have uh when the first two uncarrier moves actually happened i think it was binge on uh, i actually got to go to a concert that t-mobile put up and it was zed little john and bruno mars 
I can't. I, I was actually super happy that I got to go to that one at the LA uh, Amphitheater. It was so awesome. Um, they've been doing some pretty awesome stuff, and I want to get some thoughts from you guys about like where T-Mobile has gone, uh, what they've done to like change the carrier landscape. What carriers are you on, even uh, Anabong and Brandon? I am on AT and T. I'm on T-Mobile. Okay, so you are on T-Mobile. Yeah. I'm I'm the only one who has fully converted to Google Fi, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love T-Mobile, I mean, I just couldn't justify having two different lines. Um, but okay, so with AT&T being your carrier, Brandon, like, have you seen, have you, have you as a customer outside of what T-Mobile has been doing, have you, has it been enviable in, in any fashion? Like, have any of the things that T-Mobile has done as the uncarrier, um, like, made you want to jump ship? Absolutely. And I kind of lost track of all the stuff they were doing. I, I, I tend to remember there was like unlimited music streaming. There was just so many little things. Um, And T-Mobile is less expensive if you compare it apples to apples with AT&T. A while ago, T-Mobile had this test drive where they would send you an iPhone 5S and you could use it for several weeks and see like, you know, how data speeds were and how call quality was. Because before that, T-Mobile had a poor uh, reputation in terms of reliability. So I did the test drive and I was like, hmm, T-Mobile is less expensive. Let me see how the coverage is. And I kid you not, in this area, in Southeast Pennsylvania, most of the time T-Mobile did not work indoors, which is you know kind of a problem because <laughs> I'm a human being and I go inside sometimes. So um, it was a non-starter. I'm sure it's gotten better since then, but I, I would love to switch to T-Mobile. I could probably save hundreds a year, but... I stay with AT&T because their their coverage here is bulletproof. Yeah, I know the coverage thing is always a question. Uh, that was the reason why I was on Verizon for a certain amount of time. Even being in even being in Greater LA, like coverage was very spotty for both AT&T and T-Mobile, which is why Verizon will always kind of have a soft spot for me in terms of just their overall LTE coverage. But in your case, Anabong, being in like metro like new york city isn't t-mobile kind of king out there yeah t-mobile is is lord and and reign supreme in new york <laughs> their speeds here are just uh bonkers i've been a t-mobile customer since 2003 um i used to be a sprint customer and i left after um some uselessness with sprint uh but you know uh brandon's right t-mobile's had its its rough days um one of the things they did was when they eventually did their full 4G rollout instead of just HSPA Plus, is they did it the right way uh, by doing a basically by going four by four MIMO. And the biggest thing now that has helped them is they now have a 600 megahertz um, bandwidth. So that of course, because basically the, the reason why it just didn't work in apartments is because higher bandwidth is almost like just call it high levels. It's higher in the cloud and it's lower. Plus when they buy uh, sprints and get all that Y max bandwidth for 5G, it would be insane. That's what they're going for. That's really why they want Sprint because they've just got this bundle of stuff. Not necessarily the customers, but they've got that bandwidth that they can push. Now, in terms of all the benefits, um, as a T-Mobile customer, now it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of customary to just expect something new from them. Um, you know, cause uh, I can stream Netflix for free, uh, without using any of my data. I can stream my music as well. Um, I, the other benefit is, is, um, if I'm flying on any airline that uses Google Wi-Fi, I don't have to pay. I can just connect with, uh, 
T-Mobile, and I miss that. And it's actually. it says it says only text. You can send text messages uh, to people, but you actually can browse the web. Uh, so mm-hmm. just just a quick cheat for anyone. You just basically log in with your T-Mobile, and you can browse the web with it. So those kind of nice. things uh, they've done well. And of course, they've got like the T-Mobile Tuesday, where you get to win stuff, uh, discounts of movie tickets. I think they've done a lot of things to ensure that even though they've had gaps in service in certain areas, uh, that customers feel very welcome, which is plus, again, you're looking at the price uh, uh, that they actually portray. But in places like New York, I used to live in Boston, um, T-Mobile has just been really good uh, in terms of service where uh, my AT&T, for instance, my gigabit LTE speeds here, I get up to... The highest I've gotten is about 220, I think, in New York, um, uh, for downloads, uploads around 100. How much? How much do you pay, and how many? How much data do you have for that price? Uh, I've got an older plan. I pay 70 bucks unlimited, uh, tethering. Oh, yeah. and that was what I used yeah, to pay too. I've, I've got that old. I mean, my old old plan was like 50 bucks unlimited. I wish I still had that one, but wow. um, it's 70 bucks unlimited data and. Um, the only thing that's capped is my tethering, which is yeah, ten gigs. Yeah, I think I remember. I think that was exactly the plan that I used to have before. Yeah, we have a lot of people in the chat talking a little bit about um, carriers abroad, and I wish I, if there was one thing that I, I do wish Jaime was here for was the discussion on that because I wanted to hear what carriers are like out in Honduras, which is obviously where he is right now. Um, but if I could just shine a little bit of a light on what it's like outside of the U.S., I do know that. Carrier incentives, like what T-Mobile is trying to do with the uncarrier movement and all that stuff, is actually really common in many other countries. Like, for example, in now, I'm not going to get into any of the actual like social political like implications of this, but there are carriers in the Philippines that will literally give you free data. You don't have to pay for anything if you're only browsing Facebook. Um, so we don't we don't have to get deeper into that, but I'm just saying that that is a thing. <laughs> so carrier incentives are not are nothing new. They're kind of new to the U.S. I will admit. Uh, T-Mobile is kind of pioneering all of that. But one last question before we get into our break, before we get to our last couple of stories after the break, um, do you get any worries about monopolies with this with this kind of stuff? You know, because we're we're seeing the loss of an old old company like Sprint being merged into something, and now it's going to be T-Mobile, an even bigger company after that. Does that does monopoly or uh, antitrust stuff ever worry you guys with this? I mean, I think in my case it does because you only have now you've just got the big three, right? You've got T-Mobile, mm-hmm. Verizon, and AT and T, and you know who's to say that they can't come together to, you know, set things a certain way, especially with five G coming, because, you know, I remember when we uh, I don't think you were there, but I was at Qualcomm and they were talking about five G and how it is cost-saving for carriers. Um, mm. the, the way they, they explained it and did a breakdown was like, hey, look, because of the, you know, just one aspect of 5G is the speeds, because of how fast it is, it, you know, the fact that you can go in and download that one gigabyte movie or two gigabyte movie from Netflix so quickly and get off the network allows for other people to jump on. So it literally is streamlined streamline the process for the carriers and uh, they should actually be spending less money. But we do know very well that that's not going to happen. And again, with the kind of bandwidth that 5G produces, are we going to see that switch 
to um, you know home style internet pricing, or are they going to now give us different weird tiers? Now this becomes harder when you only have three companies instead of four, or you know more companies that provide competition, where it's just now three. Where you know if AT and T sets a price that is somewhat okay, Verizon will just match, and then T Mobile might just offer slightly less. You know, even though it's not necessarily price fixing, but now you just got this thing where all the prices are somewhat similar and not necessarily um, anything worth jumping or saying, oh, I've got a really good deal here. I can move. Mm. Any uh, final thoughts from you, Brandon, before we get to our break? Yeah, um, I was going to say it does concern me uh, about monopolies in this industry because unlike any other industry, it's not welcoming to competition because you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to start a carrier. You'll need tens hundreds of billions of dollars. And it's just like, it's basically not possible in other industries, you know, whether it's mobile phone operating systems or PC hardware or really anything else. If you really wanted to, you could get into an industry if you had enough funding. But to to create a carrier to compete with AT&T and Verizon is quite literally impossible. And so it does make me nervous that these guys with the big power will have too much power and not the benefits of a market economy where other people can come in and compete. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the uh, we're, we're gonna see. We're gonna have to see what happens. I mean, even then, after um, after three years, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to be a bit of a pessimist and say probably the prices are gonna go up anyway in three years. But at least until then, you might have the prices be where they are. Um, you're right though, Brandon, like the, people can't just wake up and just like try to become a carrier. Like there was literally one business here. I just want to, this is funny. This is why I just want to say it real quick. There was one business here that tried to open up to give uh, fiber internet to people, um, called giggle fiber. <laughs> that, that building is now a donut shop. Let me just say that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our break before we get to our last couple of stories. The Pocket Now Weekly is brought to you by Swappa, where you can browse from a huge collection of gently used phones, all at prices significantly lower than you'd pay for them new. Every phone on Swappa is in very good condition with no screen damage, are certified to have clean ESNs, and ship for free. Browse for your next phone at Swappa.com. All right, Brandon, uh, I know that you have, uh, as usual, you have to get out of here in a few minutes, so I just wanted to check in with you real quick. Um, we do have a couple of stories that are coming up, but if you have any general thoughts that you wanted to share with us, go for it now. Hmm. Because um, if, if not, I have questions pertaining to the last two stories that I want you to answer. <laughs> um, what amazes me about just a couple of test notes about the Mate 20 Pro is how, how small it is relative to its screen size you know it just and mm. i have small hands and it just it feels so good that it's just such a good phone um really everything about it i think the like you know everyone praises the heck out of this phone especially jaime and i could see why i mean <laughs> it's it's blisteringly fast the hardware is impeccable the charging is unbelievably fast the camera you can do so many creative things with it I'm really glad I got it. I could see why people love it so much. So I'm really, I've been really um, happy to try something different in the last week. So that's my. Yeah. 
Have you been spending a lot of time with that wide angle camera? Like, is this the first wide angle that you've used or it can't be? Huh? I've used uh, the wide angle on LG phones. I think it's great. I think okay. it's great. I mean, wide angle should be standard on every phone and it's probably going to be. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts on EMUI actually? Because I know the software tends to be a polarizing feature. Um, I really don't like it, uh, but but like <laughs> it's, forgi- it's forgivable because it's clean and light and it feels a little bit like iOS, but you know, it's nice, and they did a good job with the gesture system. It's not as good as OnePlus, but it's pretty damn close. And, uh, mm. you know, it's colorful, and, I mean, it's just fast. So you kind of forget about the iOS-ness of it. Yeah. I got to say, I'm I'm really excited to see what Huawei has to bring to MWC, especially after the Mate 20 Pro has, like, you know, just really wowed so many people. I mean, I've, we clearly have a P-Series phone that's supposed to be coming up, so I wonder what they're going to bring out the woodwork there. Um, anyway, you have a few minutes left, so I do want to ask you a couple of quick questions, and then we're going to expound upon them uh, while Anabong and I uh, do the last two stories. So, okay, the last two stories that we have, uh, the chat has been going crazy about it already. Yes, there is this idea that the S Pen is going to have some sort of camera in it. There's a patent that Samsung was just granted that would potentially put a camera inside of that little stylus. Um <laughs> Harkening back to all of the James Bond slash Super Spy stuff, like, would you actually want a camera in your S Pen, Brandon? Because <laughs> you you were a fan of the Note Nine for a bit, I remember. Would a camera actually add to that experience? Um, if they can get the optics right and the battery life, I think it would be actually really cool because you can take it anywhere that a phone might be too cumbersome to take. So think of like a concert or like a family event. Just to take, you know, a camera in your pocket that's the shape of a pen. I mean, it's super, super lightweight. Um, you'll probably, I mean, if it's any good, which probably won't be because how do you fit good optics in there? If it's any good, you'll be taking more pictures with it because you can take, you can put it around your neck as a lanyard or stick it in, you know, in your jeans, you have that little second pocket, you could stick it in there. And it's just more, more opportunities to take pictures if you don't have to lug around your, you know, your, your regular, you know, 6.5 inch screen phone. Well, okay, and you know what? Now that you brought up all those points, we'll just get into the greater discussion, and then Brandon, you can you can pop out whenever you need. But like, you just talked about all of these scenarios where a camera inside of a really easily pocketable pen would work. But what situations would you actually want to take a picture <laughs> using an S Pen like that? Like, that's my question. I'm 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 a little bit flabbergasted as to why Samsung would even think that this is a practical feature. Situations where you don't want to lug around your phone. Let's say. You're going on a jog, and uh, you you take your S Pen on the jog for some reason, and um, maybe you <laughs> see like a nice mountain or something, and you didn't bring your your you know your your phablet phone essentially because it, it jostles around in your pocket it's while you run. So yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna drop off there, guys. Go for it. Um, have, all right. have a good Thanks one. For, Thanks for being on, Brandon. All right, so Enobong, S Pen, camera. Actually, you know what? Before we get into that, any any general thoughts you wanted to share to like check in? Because we haven't seen you in a bit. Um, oh, well, let me answer the S Pen one because it's just it's still in my head. Um, Go for it. The, the camera is not for taking photos. It's for better um, <laughs> it's better optic uh, coordination with the tactile screen on the on the display, so you can actually write better. It's got. It's basically it position right? point um, sensing. I mean, so it's going to be pointing towards the tip so that it can see. Yeah. 
That's what the camera is for. I mean, he's well, right. Is that really? Is I mean, that an application that's actually is, has that actually happened? In- no, no one's done it. So I, I just want to see what it is. <laughs> but because you're not going to be able to fit any sensor size that is worth a dime uh, in that S Pen. Yeah. So that's why it's best for that because it's all about. It's basically the camera, or it may not even be a camera. It might be that camera sensor that is literally just understanding where it is in touching the screen, pressure point, writing, uh, when you lift off, those kind of calculations so that as you're writing, you be you, you should be getting smoother writing strokes or drawing more precision besides all the pressure points as well. Or they may, okay, they may and- never use it because they just were officially granted this patent and it's, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we have months and months before the note is even announced, so we don't even know what the S Pen is going to be like. But the thing that makes me sad, if you look at this patent diagram, where's the clicky top? Like, that's by far the best part about the S Pen. I don't see no clicky top on here, so I'm, I'm actually really disappointed. 10A. 10A. No, that says light entering unit though, and and it doesn't it doesn't seem to come up. Yeah, you know but also I mean? again, this pat- looks flat. If you look at the patent image, and this is from the Galaxy Note, what five? That well, that that particular yeah, just, diagram. just diagram, figure four yeah. B. Yeah, everything four <laughs> yeah. B. Yeah, so again, the patent was just officially granted. Doesn't mean that this is it, or it will come, or this is how it will look like. It's just mm-hmm. what they are trying. I mean, at least what they're trying to do. But I think again, it just all depends. It depends on you know um, what it will be used for, and I think we'll have to just wait and see. But I don't think this is something that um, you know. Uh, is is for taking photos that way, you know? Wow. I mean, Jules is as incredulous, like, because um, he's saying in the chat here that the S Pen already seems good enough on its own, but obviously putting a camera in it would make some noise. And obviously, people, all these companies want to be as newsworthy as possible every time the cycle comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird because like, okay, so Jules has the uh, the, the patent diagram up there right now. The the optical system seems to be pointing outward. It's not like you hold it like a kind of a pen. Oh, on so it. yeah, it's, it's so like, it's 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 this right. I mean, it's the flat side, right? So like, it's it's this side, right? And then mm-hmm. I'm pointing that way to take a photo, right? Oh no, I, well I thought it would looked a little bit more like the neuralizer from Men in Black, where it's holding. Yeah. Or, like oh yes, yeah, so, so this way to take a photo. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Which is why they might have had to take I, away the clicky bit. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, what what would you even use that for? Like, aside from just like the 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 like, hey, look, I got a camera. Yeah, that's I mean, it. I mean, when it was the Note Five, this would have been cool because it's just saying that, oh, now I've got something and I can, I can take a photo. Or, but again, it's a patent. Like everybody gets patents approved, you know, every day. And it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is something they will throw in, just because. What I think we know is coming out in the Galaxy S10 um, that is going to be transferred to the Note is a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you know having that camera there, plus the, the cameras that are going to be on the S10 are going to be just so improved, which would be the same camera system on the Note with you know slight improvements. What's the mm-hmm. point of having this? I think they were just granted a patent, and then everybody's just overthinking it. That's yeah, probably, but that that is that is kind of part of our job descriptions being in the <laughs> tech industry. Um, but also, um, there are a couple of people in the chat, and they're bringing up some pretty interesting points. Um, if the S Pen, oh, sorry, Frank, uh, blah, 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 can't even speak right now. Frank Clow Clowen 
If the S Pen Cam will kill the front cam, then let's go for it. No cutout for the screen would be nice. But, like, you would take out the S Pen to take a selfie. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so it's either you do this or you do, hey, hey, hey hold up a second, hold up. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> this, that's, yeah. that's where the, you know, I mean, that's already too much work. By the way, did everybody see that just now? Did everybody see Enabong with that weird flex just now? He just showed off that super special Note 9 in his hand right oh, now. Oh, you mean this one? This yeah. One, yeah, no, one of was, the only people we know who has the I, Casey Neistat edition. I wasn't trying to flex at all. I was just, <laughs> is this what I use? This is my daily driver. So I, I don't blame you. I don't yeah. blame you whatsoever. That's such a cool. Yeah. Supreme Note 9. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Jules. Yeah. No, um, you asking what I wanted to talk about that was in uh, the one thing. Yeah, before that we came have one out, more story after this. So, yeah, go for it. If you have anything um, in general you want to talk about. A uh, story that came out that said Microsoft is looking to put Xbox Live on uh, iOS, Android, and the Switch. And it, it harkens mm. to what they're trying to do this year, which, again, is low writing. So we, we have streaming game services, this Shadow, which I, have to, I want to check out, which allows you to play on your PC, your smartphone, supposedly. Uh, we've got NVIDIA, NVIDIA's streaming service that allows you to do that as well. Um, but NVIDIA's is only, you know, per PC. You can, so I can stream, um, I tried that out and I had a video where I played, um, excuse me, Call of Duty World War II on a MacBook Air and I was doing 180 frames per second at 1080p. Um, so Microsoft is trying to do the same thing because word is this year they're going to release a streaming Xbox. That would be about a hundred bucks that you can stream all your games directly to it. And, you know, with everything that's going on, this is this is this very big strategy that Satya Nadala had is, you know, we build out our cloud service, Azure. Right now, you know, cloud is big for Microsoft. A lot of game developers are using Azure servers for their game development and cross-platform play. So the reason why we've had this big boom of cross-platform play is because it comes from Microsoft servers. So Microsoft is owning that. So if you look at the strategy, if they're owning that, then releasing a streaming Xbox makes a lot of sense now. And then you add to the fact that if I can now play now, we talked about gaming phones. If I can now play those Xbox games on a Razer phone or something like that on the go and continue from where I stopped at home is even better. Yeah. You know, and I think that's uh, it's an interesting thing to see. So this is what uh, Sony tried to do this with the PlayStation Now service, didn't they? And well, not not that they had a streaming, but they did. The PlayStation yeah, they do TV. have a stream. Yeah, no, they no, they do have a streaming service. Uh, no streaming service. You can stream your PlayStation game um, from home to mm-hmm. a laptop exactly. anywhere. Xbox can only do streaming within the home. So I can stream from my Xbox. Say uh, I'm playing Resident Evil, and say uh, I have someone watching, t- one wants to watch TV. I can stream it to my PC here, and you know, continue to game. Uh, so you can do it in home. But this is not just in home. This is in home any device. This is why they want to move Xbox Live to as many, even the Switch, as many devices as possible. Mm. And I, it's a very interesting strategy of saying, forget the hardware race. Um, w- Software is where it's going to be at, right? And not just software and titles, but software and how you deliver those titles. 
I agree. Um, and that's a great prospect. I mean, it would be the way to actually, and this is the reason why it's genius, is because that would actually be the way for me to get into Xbox stuff. I've never been an Xbox player. But if it was that accessible, maybe a subscription service, something like that, maybe I would actually do it. Well, they already have a subscription service, too. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's but funny. You, they have an yeah. Xbox subscription service where it's uh, $20 a month for Xbox One S plus Xbox uh-huh. Live. And then I think it's $40 a month. I could be wrong. Uh, somebody would correct me for the Xbox One X. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see. So when they started that, a lot of people were kind of like, oh, why? I'm like, this is their plan to to get you to just subscribe to the streaming box is a hundred bucks. You either pay for that immediately and you're done. And then you pay like $20 a month um, for, for all access to Xbox games. So it sounds like you're kind of into this like potential future of ours where like, let's say you have a low end PC, but you have the streaming service and great internet. You could still play AAA titles. Yeah, I mean, you're playing AAA titles at 1080p. I mean, me mm-hmm. personally, I would still have the Xbox that does the 8K at home because I have to. But um, but I think for everyone else, like you said, for for someone like you, you can now go, mm, okay, yeah, I'll get the streaming box to play the Xbox, no problem. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I'll just pay the $20 a month and I can play on my phone, I can play on my... Uh, my laptop, and it doesn't matter what laptop I have at this point now, right? Because you're just streaming. Exactly. You know, I can I can do that, and and then when you now add in 5G to that whole aspect, you know, down the line, whether it's you know 2021, where at least we we'll probably have most places have 5G by then in the US, okay. um, then being able to play those games is is just a matter of like picking up your phone and going. I want to play Gears of War. Bam. <laughs> Done. Okay, let's do this. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting place now because as you've seen all these things come together, where it's, you know, server stuff, 5G, mobile devices, you know, all coming to like one cohesive um, uh, framework. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm excited to try it out. And even though I might not be the biggest believer in like, because, you know, you want good quality and also not everybody has really good internet to begin with. So it might not be easy for the streaming service to actually take off for most people, that is. Um, um, check out Project, um, um, Google also has theirs as well. I, I tried. I, I tried to sign up. They never they never invited me in. Oh, I got the invite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used three different Google accounts and I signed up nothing. I was so wow! <laughs> did you use did you did you use the one for your uh, YouTube account? Because that's what I yeah. used. Okay, yeah. I um, use all of them. I have I have, I have three different Gmail uh, three uh, three different Gmail email addresses, and I use all of them. Nothing. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> I wanted that Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, anyway, um, okay. So we have one final story, very very light one. I hope everybody has enjoyed the sh- the, the show so far. As we kind of we, 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 like I said, we brought down the number of stories because we wanted to make sure that we were actually going into discussions for each of these things. A little bit more focused in terms of the things that we're talking about. But now we're going to get very unfocused. We're about to get very distracted because there are 59 new emojis coming out soon. <laughs> it's time to start not talking in English and only talking in tiny pictures that are on our phones. Um, are you an emoji guy at all? I've, I've gone into emojis lately. Um... <laughs> I mean, you realize, uh, most people don't realize I am not that young. I may look like super fresh here. Uh, but you realize when you have to communicate with, you know, 
like my cousins, for instance, or, you know, people, if you're talking to people who are younger than you, in my case, um, and, you know, uh, a lot of people uh, text, for me, it's, it's the, it's the um, uh, Urban Dictionary of finding out what every abbreviation is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I actually prefer emojis because they are just, I, I know what it is. Like, I know at least... If you if you give me say a hundred emojis, I can automatically look at it and understand ninety percent, ninety five percent immediately, as opposed to somebody just giving me IRK or whatever you know short abbreviation, and I'm like, I'm supposed to know that. So I, I I'm I'm cool with emojis, but um, uh, you know I I think it's just a matter of time where we just have to find that balance of like, um, how much is too much? Yes. Because that was really my my thought here was while I'm not going to be I I too have only recently gotten to emojis and it's honestly only because of the person I'm dating that's really it like she uses she uses Isa Rodriguez over at Gadgetmat she uses emojis fairly often and I got into using it more often um, and it, I don't even but I'm very careful with it I don't try to use I try not to use emojis in such a way that completely replaces my actual use of language <laughs> like there are certain things i would use it as a compliment to it so if i say like love you babe and then there's a kissy face but it's not just like gonna be emojis in one string there have to be words in everything that i send let me just say that um but like it's funny because people have these opinions when it comes to emojis people are excited about these emojis there are actually a couple of really funny articles that came out one of them is actually a gadget match to give Issa, my girlfriend, a, uh, a shout out here. She put up a, an article saying that there are already a few, <laughs> there are already a few emojis that girls are going to use to uh, <laughs> to shoot down guys. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious because one of these is called the pinching hand. <laughs> this thing is ridiculous. Pinching hand. It's basically like you going just a little bit, but you can imagine what people are going to use that one. Oh for. yeah! Oh yeah! 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 <laughs> Um, which the I thought yawn. was the Pitching yawn head. is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh boy, that 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 emoji is gonna take a lot of. Oof. Yeah, there's gonna be so many entendres with that. Um, Rocky Grenade in our uh, in our chat just says, "If you don't receive emojis, you're not special." <laughs> <laughs> See how people use these kinds of things because you and I both like. Um, yes, yes, I'm a, I'm a bit younger than you, but like I still was in the era of the emoticon of the like colon uh, parentheses. You know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Wait, wait, could we, you, uh, we use Jules, those all the Jules, time. Jules, could you scroll down? I just want to see all the emojis. <laughs> there's like people kneeling, right? Yes, one? there's that too. Is that prayer or? Yes. I, well, I, I, I saw begging, it as a... Because, yeah, I, I would say prayer, but somebody would probably say, you know, get on your knees or kneel before Zod or something. So... <laughs> So, yeah, I thought I thought meditation, but okay. But okay, to the left of that, there's also like a blind blind person walking. I mean, it's cool. Representation is definitely at an all time high with these. No, I, I get that, but can a blind person actually see the emoji to post it or even read the emoji? Yeah, it, like what situation would that actually make sense? You know, like when you're trying to describe somebody to a friend of yours that you know, oh, my friend is blind, for example. Wouldn't you just say my friend is blind, or would you actually just send that emo- that emoji to them and be like, "He's this"? <laughs> like, how there's a line of respect and disrespect when it comes to using emojis, and obviously that's where some comedy comes from. But like, 
what is actually the what, why why what's the purpose? I, I I am I mean you know I I I like the prosthetics, but you know I, it's cool that they have wheelchair and power wheelchairs. Like yo, I upgraded. There's also a chair, just a brown chair. <laughs> yeah. It's way to the right. And then um, stethoscope, okay, fine. I personally am a fan of the waffle, but I think donut is way better than waffle. And then there's a there's a butter emoji, which I'm actually really happy about. Hashtag keto. Um, but... uh, even the butter one has so many connotations already. I can think, <laughs> think of, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just so funny to me. And then there's even one here that I, I don't even know what it is. Like, is that a pearl? Oh, that's a clam with a pearl. Okay, never mind. Um, there's a melting piece of ice. Like, you know, and it's just funny. Like, yeah, stop anybody sweating. Our- That's what it means. What does? I say stop sweating or you can't take the heat. Oh, okay, that's true. So, like, emojis, like the, the, the digital, it's digital slang, which is fine. Do you have any emoji that you always go to, though? Like, is there one that you always use all the uh, time? I mean, it's laugh out loud. I laugh a lot, so it's like, you know, that's pretty much that's it true. That's the, the crying the crying one right crying one yeah uh, it's pretty much my my go-to emoji mm-hmm. um and uh and then like facepalm because people do a lot of foolish things uh, well that's when the yawn emoji is going to come in and then <laughs> <laughs> like when, just imagine the amount of shade on twitter that people are going to be able to give with this kind of stuff so wait I mean, who makes emoji like who's the emoji like is there like emoji uh um organization that everybody yeah, has the uni- the unicode organization uh oh, okay like, all right yeah, i had, I had no idea official unicode yeah I had no um, idea. it's it's such a throwaway term because like you you use your computer you see the word unicode and you're like oh that's just what it's writing with but no it's an actual like conglomerate not conglomerate like or like association or organization or something you know? um multinational lobbying group featuring tech companies and bahrain and some other countries as jules is saying in our chat um yeah, probably the only one out of all of these new ones that I would use very often is a sloth. Because if someone's like, hey, did you get up yet? Oh, sloth. <laughs> did you get any work done yet? Sloth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably what I would use. Like, I'm just chilling right now. I'm chilling. Sloth. <laughs> sloth chair. Um, <laughs> all right. So let us know what you think about all of these emojis uh, using the hashtag PN Weekly as well. Uh, we have some people in the uh, – we, we actually have people in our live chat right now having discussions about how young or how old other people are <laughs> which is hilarious because this is really funny about oh really just make this happen yeah i remember when i was four back in 2008 damn <laughs> i i never use emojis even though i'm 14 my goodness um yeah it's it's crazy how how our language our digital language has been evolving over the years but you know what it's on that note that we're going to go ahead and call it on this one um our theme music is bloom by minerva courtesy of a royalty free license with argo fox you can learn more about that in the episode's description from our crew you can follow them on twitter our producer extraordinaire jules wong is at point jules brandon is at brandon mini man and Jaime, um, I will still say, even though he wasn't here, he's at Jaime underscore Devetta. You can look forward to his daily tonight and also the daily recap tomorrow. I am, of course, JV Tech T. You know me. I'm JV. I love tech and I love to drink me some tea, as I have been this entire show. Pocket Now is on Pocket Now at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube in English and Espanol, where you can find more news on the Pocket Now Daily and Pocket Now Adario. Uh, I also made a mistake. Enobong is found at Bored at Work. <laughs> Thunder E here. 
Um, I was reading. I was reading straight through the script. Uh, Bored at work is spelled with two O's. B O O R E D A T W O R K. So two O's in bored. There you go. Sorry about that, Enabong. I got too into the script. I'm like, I'm like Ron Burgundy. I just keep reading the script. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, good to know. I'll feed you lines next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can catch up on what the weekly is talking about at pocketnow.com slash podcast. Also, make sure you make your voices heard by emailing us, podcast at pocketnow.com. I also really do invite everybody to try and uh, really email us because uh, we want to start actually responding to people's responses. And if you have some really well thought out responses to our podcast that you email to us at podcast at pocketnow.com, we might actually read them on the air. So I want to make sure that we get that going. Going as well. We would also certainly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings on Google, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, and appreciate uh, wherever you might be streaming us. Because without you, we wouldn't have been able to make this show for your eyes and ears for seven years straight. Um, fun fact, actually, I brought up the Ron Burgundy thing. Uh, he said in an interview once that he is a Torero, as in he went to the University of San Diego. So did I. So <laughs> we are we are one of kin. Um, so with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it on this one. Thank you so much for watching. And as Jules just wrote as quickly as he could, go tuck yourself, <laughs> San Diego. Stay classy. And stay classy, San Diego. Stay, stay classy, everybody, in the podcast first, and we will see you next time. Bye. Oh, it's there? Because our live badge is not... Yeah. It's live. Jules is, We've got 102 people live? watching and waiting. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, the ASMR... Did the, did everyone see the ASMR tea drinking just now? <laughs> yeah. Sure did. These are the best. <laughs> I love it. Okay.